Welcome, everyone, to episode 15 of the Higher Calling podcast presented by the Avondale Church of God. We left in our last episode talking about themes such as the just shall live by faith and setting up the faith chapter, which we'll cover in this episode with Hebrews 11. Starting out, we're going to go back to Romans chapter 10 as an introduction to the faith chapter and a segue tying together episode 14 with episode 15, Romans 10 and 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And we're starting this discussion of faith right away. We see that salvation is conditional, that folks might be saved if this condition is met, referring specifically to Orthodox Jews, because as we read further, the converts out of paganism were quick to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but Jews were not. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. And in this verse 4, the end means the fulfillment or the result, the righteousness that the law created by compulsion and works is now happening in this new covenant through faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 5. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or, Who shall descend into the deep? That is, to bring Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. And this means there's no great things that you have to do. No great impossible miracles of going into heaven or going down into the deep. Christ did all that. Verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What do you really believe? This is a serious question. Look at the fruits of your life. What do you act out? It's what you really believe. I had a psychology professor tell us, about a sad case of a person who came to get mental treatment. And this individual said, I need help, I'm blind. And after a series of tests, the mental health professional remarked that perhaps there was something wrong, but blindness wasn't the problem. This mentally ill person could avoid obstacles, could walk around tables and stop themselves from bashing into the wall and you know there was something wrong but not with their eyesight 
They said something, but did the opposite. You can make decisions throughout your day and correctly choose to avoid problems, injury, or death, but if you partake of morally corrupt vices that your conscience once warned you against, you have evidence there of what you really believe, and you can say you're a Christian. This mentally ill person said that they were blind, but they really weren't blind. They believed they were blind, but they weren't. What you really believe is what you do. They avoided obstacles because they really weren't blind. You can believe you're a Christian, but what you really do is what your faith is rooted in. In Genesis, the serpent lied to Eve and said, Thou shalt not surely die. And Eve believed that lie and acted it out in her life. What you actually do and act out is what your faith is truly rooted in. If there's a zeal and a knowledge of God and his plan, if you're acting out something other than righteousness, your belief is shallow. Your fear of God is limited by that measure of unbelief. And we'll get into that in Hebrews 11, where Noah acted through fear to the saving of his house. Continuing in Romans 10, verse 11, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily. Their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First, Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold, and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Disobedient and gainsaying people. Folks that expressed that they were God's people, that they believed in a God, but often found themselves worshiping idols that were corrupted by the pagan religions around them and acted out in real life something entirely different. So now moving into Hebrews chapter 11. Some key points included here will define faith, will build upon the foundation we have established with Romans 10. We'll talk about the founding fathers of our faith and we'll end with receiving the promise, the kingdom of heaven. Hebrews 11.1 Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Substance is a word used to describe the ingredients of something, often tangible, often 
sufficient quantity to represent the entire item. But in this case, it's still hoped for, not yet materialized or made manifest. It hasn't shown up yet. Evidence is proof convincing to any rational observer beyond a reasonable doubt. But in this case, it's of something not seen. Romans 12 and 3 talks about the measure of faith that was dealt out to all men, the capacity to worship, to lift up the ideal, beauty, love, strength, to identify the difference between something that is great, awe-inspiring, and worthy of honor, and something that's not. So let's read about putting this faith, this faith that God gives to all men, Let's read about putting it into practice in a manner that it was intended for. It's pretty easy for us to worship, for instance, uh, an idol of pop culture. Whomever is taking the headlines in the tabloids, whomever takes home a trophy, whether in sports like World Cup or in music, uh, acting, winning a Grammy, or for some type of social benefit, earning a Nobel Peace Prize. See, there is real worship going on, even from those professing to be atheists. And as great as some of these human achievements are, this worship needs to be aimed higher than people, higher than humanity. Going back to Hebrews 11, verse 2, For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And by it, he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah is an example of this idea of putting faith or belief into practice. Just like the rest of these, Abel, Enoch, Noah was so convinced of hearing God's plan to destroy humanity that he was afraid. He had deep respect of the word of God, and he acted his faith out by obeying God, building the ark in the face of what we can imagine to be mockery. Hebrews 11.8 By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, after, receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore spring there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, 
and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. See, God made some promises. There was not usually a fleece or proof provided that these promises were going to be fulfilled. But Abraham, Sarah, Noah, they all acted on the word of God, and it really worked out the way God planned it. Abraham ended up in the land flowing with milk and honey, as it were, raised up Isaac there, who had Jacob and Esau. Jacob, becoming Israel and having 12 sons, had to leave that beautiful land and go into Egypt to survive a famine. Years later, centuries later, Moses came along and helped those 12 families escape and eventually get back to that land of promise. By faith, Abraham, verse 17, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. And we know the story. Abraham and Sarah finally have a son together in the form of Isaac. And God wants to test Abraham's love and faith and tells Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Abraham had enough confidence that God would keep his promise, even if he had to raise Isaac back from the dead, that he went out to do what God told him to do, telling Isaac that God would provide himself a lamb. How many hard things does God ask us to do? God's plan for us may be being different than what our expectations are. God asking us to wait for a companion. God asking us to go through a difficult time at work that we might show the love of God to somebody. God allowing us to come across the path of someone with deep fears and worries and concerns that might take time out of our busy day and cause us to spend time helping them, to show them a path to salvation. These things might be inconvenient, but Abraham, his faith went deeper than mere convenience. Abraham looked at God's orders and commandments and said, God, you must know what you're talking about. And him and Isaac and the servants went on a trip, day's journey into the wilderness. Isaac said, but father, we have the wood, we have the knife, where's the lamb? Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb. And he got to the place, and he bound Isaac, hand and feet, raised the knife, and the angel spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, and you know, it was a job well done. And Abraham looks up, and he sees a lamb caught in a thicket, and Sacrifice, and no doubt that was a rejoicing journey, something that was deeply rooted in Isaac's mind as he grew up of the greatness of God. Continuing in Hebrews 11:20, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. 
by faith Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel, gave commandment concerning his bones. You know, there's not a lot about this story other uh, than briefly in Exodus where they carried out of Egypt the bones of Joseph, but tradition must hold that Joseph understood that the people of Israel shouldn't be forever in Egypt, rather returning back to the promised land of Canaan. Joseph never was able to get back there in his lifetime, but he saw in the future that people could go back home and leave Egypt, and Joseph's heart was back in the promised land. Hebrews 11.23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. These verses are classic Sunday school themes, perfect for youth to be raised up under, showing that sin only provides temporary pleasure and should be despised. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover, the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians as saying to do were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down, after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. You know, with verse 35, the story transitions from seeming victories to what seems to be a series of defeats, of persecutions. But people didn't lose their faith in God. Early Christians didn't lose their faith in God when they went through these difficult times. Those that were under uh, persecution after Christ's death, uh, and Christ foretold of difficult times when people would need to flee into the mountain, they didn't lose their faith of Christ. Fast forward a few a hundred years, they're in uh, dark ages when the Catholic Church was persecuting anyone who spoke against Catholic teachings of the Pope and priests. Those folks uh, were put to death, tortured, burned alive, and they had to uh, keep the faith of God throughout that persecution. And Uh, reading at verse 36, and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy, 
They wandered in deserts, and in mountains, and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. What, what is that thing provided? What is that promise that we're striving for? Let's go to John chapter 14, 1 through 4. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. And this, of course, is Christ speaking. This whole podcast here in he- from Hebrews chapter 1 all the way to now is about Christ and the new covenant and the change of heart and the conversion that he can give for people. And why? What's the point? The point is, is that belief in Christ, true belief that a real lasting change leads to heaven. And we can know the way. Verse four, whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. A singular path leading to the promise the way, not multiple ways, one way. There's a roadmap that's encrypted in code. It can only be read and followed through faith. We're standing on the shoulders of giants who believed this promise of God. And these giants here in Hebrews 11, they believed the promises even before Christ existed with his miracles and his gospel. And once Christ came showing great powers of God, it was even easier for those to be converted, but difficult for Jews, easier for the pagans in some cases. So this is how we end chapter 11, kind of on a cliffhanger, but there's a reason there was a transition from the victories of the miracles seen by the forefathers of the Jewish tradition to these other folks who died under persecution. You see, Jesus hasn't come back yet. And those of us who are still alive, still fighting the good fight of faith, have to believe that the judgment day could be any day. These scriptures include faithful people who lived prior to witnessing the coming of Christ, prior to the new covenant, and combined us with those living faithful after Christ, through the dark ages that we talked about, through the Protestant Reformation, we could be linked here with all of these. There's common ground here. When you act out on your faith, not willing to suffer pleasure of sin for a season, and when you choose to serve the God that you truly believe in, you want an inspiration to your faith? Read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Read a book called Martyr's Mirror. And understand that God preserved the word of God through the lives of faithful people who didn't yet receive the promise, whom went through tragedy as part of the plan of God, not forsaking the God that they loved and believed in. How about you? Where are you at in your conversion story? Are you spinning your wheels in some religious community church that calls themselves Christians but won't act out the gospel in terms of living clean, holy lives, well, it's time to make a change. And with that, we'll wrap up this podcast. It's been a pleasure, and we trust that you found the discussion both challenging and encouraging. 
As always, thank you for listening. And if you have any comments or would like to contact us for any other reason, please visit www.csinning.com or email us at biblestudy at avondalecog.org. We'd love to hear from our audience and would be happy to further any discussion or to pray for a need you may be experiencing. See you next time on The Higher Calling, presented by the Avondale Church of God.